Vasquez. Anything's possible. It's 2016. Kim Davis is headed to what did you say? She's headed. She's headed the to the State, State of the Union, Union address. Great. Because why not? Means it's time for verbal tap. We're fighting, banning marriage, stupid protests. It's all easier outside the cage. Much easier. In fact, I am your host, Kevin. With me, of course, Raf Esparza. Raf, I hate when you do that. By the way, he intentionally throws something at me about seconds before we after we hit record. That one did it. How are you doing this evening? I'm great. And I've never met anybody who's counted the 14 minutes and 59 seconds on their 15 minutes of fame more than Kim Davis. She does know every second and it's president accounted for. She has a scrapbook. It's called mm-hmm. saying no to never mind. Divorced multiple times. I love it. I, that's God's plan. And mm-hmm. we're going to get to some MMA, though. Yeah, we might that. have more people listening than, you know, occasionally Raph and I continue to build on the audience that's you know our fans are like wait what that doesn't sound <laughs> right <laughs> so when uh this week we had a very large audience come chatting with us on Facebook and we heard a lot mm-hmm. would you like to elaborate sure why not so you know we we are fans here of uh discussion and uh you know kind of uh, bringing up new topics for you guys to talk about. We, we engage with our audience. So wouldn't you say, Kevin? Oh, we love it. We when do. Talking to people, it's way more fun. Yeah, when the absolutely. audience is talking back, it's more fun. It's way more interesting when apparently uh, 3.5 million of you have seen something. It's a little different and uh, I would say unexpected. So, uh, And diverse. Very diverse. Um, so if this is the first time that you guys are tuning in to listen to us, welcome. We uh, we invite you to become one of our own here. Kevin's um, the good-looking one. Raph's the one talking to you now. Mm-hmm. All right. If you want to call it that. I just want to set some new boundaries. I just want to be like, sure. I'm the smart, it's well-researched the one. boundary that you've tried to put. Except Raph's you super high right now. Except toward my name. And I think <laughs> if they haven't already figured that by the Kim Davis reference, then whatever. We're doing fine. Anyway, um, so, you know, you guys, uh, you came there, and if you're new to the show, you, uh, you might also be really angry with us because we posted a picture of what appeared to be something from Conor McGregor. Now, I read it once over. I looked at it, and I said, oh, that probably looks like it. All right. So we put like that him. photo. Yeah, Damn it sounded funny. very much like him. <laughs> Damn um, funny, by the way. And uh, I laughed a lot because it was a response to Floyd Mayweather saying that uh, what Conor McGregor do and Ronda Rousey do is some racist shit. Now, if you want to be a person who's going to throw around the the R-bomb, you know, anytime you want to put in racism, okay. But if you're going to be somebody like Floyd Mayweather, who has their own questionable kind of tactics and history to themselves – um, and you're retired and people got bored with the way you were fighting. Sometimes you might be grasping at straws just to keep yourself interesting. And it's not like Floyd is averse to saying shit for the sake of just saying shit. But I digress. So apparently a lot of people had some opinions. Our Facebook kept blowing up with people commenting about how dare Conor McGregor or, oh, man, he got him good. And uh, it went on and on and on. And people were sharing it and it was going on. Well, Lo and behold, it was not an actual uh, real comment that he made. 
Which means you can chalk it up to one of the 37 things I see a day. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds right. But the other thing I have to say about this is, you know, we were just entertained by it. But we got people on our Facebook saying, how dare you post this Very news article? And how I blame you for this. dare you? You blame me. Go yes, ahead. I have a theory. You've Which established is- too much credibility for the podcast. I told you this was going to happen. I said it months ago when you started getting uh, press passes to events. I was like, you know what's going to happen, Raph? People are going to mistake us for... Well, I'm not going to say CNN because we definitely report more accurate stories than the majority. Of, that's let me use a different one, uh, like Google News. I think people are a little bit more nervous that they can't trust us now, and that's your fault. If <laughs> yeah, you this is our had followed team. my paradigm <laughs> of hilarious, sort of this I don't know anything genre, and it's all an act. But if you had just followed oh, me down that act. path, that's the worst part. <laughs> we we wouldn't have run into this. People would have been yeah, like, "Oh, course. those jackasses!" No, trust me, you can't trust a thing they say. And now <laughs> we've got people that have turned the other way. So yeah, you should also look at Kevin's statements when he does post on there. I'm or pretty my... sure if we left it to Kevin and his own vices, it would be a series of puppy videos. <laughs> You're that not he would be like, this far is off. very close to MMA. I'd probably take it some MMA directions, like puppies wrestling. Yeah. Um, but you can also just check out my ACT scores. It's not an act. This is no, real. So is anyway, um, at least you took the ACT and Try. could read it, unlike Floyd Mayweather. <clears throat> anyway, hey, but, oh. <laughs> I just I was so intrigued by it. But we had one person saying, you know, this isn't a how dare you post this as news, this article. And I was like, first of all, it's not an article. Like not an article. <laughs> that is, that is you a, infinitely tell me that what is kind less of than four hundred words. Not saying an it's an article. Uh, second of all, uh, how come we didn't do any fact checking? Because it's the internet, and it's, it's much more entertaining when you don't fact checking. <laughs> Third of all, <laughs> if you're looking at this and you came to get mad and really start a debate, we didn't do any part of that. Well, you clearly have something that you are waiting all day. It's akin to, do you know the character from uh, the movie with uh, Andy uh, uh, Samberg? Andy Samberg and uh, Kenny Powers. Hmm. Guy who plays him. You know what I'm talking about? Which movie? Which Samberg movie? It's uh, Hot Rod. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Okay. It's one of my favorite so, movies on Netflix. Uh, Kenny yeah. Powers, if you would, is uh, walking around. And they're like, hey, you know, you got some rage issues. Calm down, calm down. And then they finally tell him, they're like, you can actually go beat up this guy. And he gets up and he goes, I've been drinking green tea all goddamn day. (laughs) And he gets up and he's ready and excited to go and fight people. That's kind of how the comment section really started to go. Beats up a random guy that won't give them money. Like hits him with a trash can. Like it's great. (laughs) If you haven't seen Hot Rod, by the way, everybody... See it's that after this podcast. Stupid movie. Oh, but, uh, stupid, awesome. Yeah, well, it is like <sighs> that though. People got running and going, and you yeah. know, I think they probably just want an apology. Ref, that's probably all there. And you know, I think Kevin, it's time that we address that. So um, I'm going to let you apologize. Okay, I'll start. Okay. Um, I don't care. I'm not okay. I okay, so I Kevin's on the record as saying he's not going to apologize. Okay. No, I don't. 
Do you want to apologize? No. <laughs> I, uh, there we go. See, it works. It's not. Because here's the thing, kids. Uh, I, I love that people were talking to us. They were just like, you guys are like Fox News. And I was like, well, that's heavy. <laughs> yeah, that took a sharp right. Well, reporting on Kim Davis, we kind of are now. Absolutely. We're now we're just going to keep going that route. <laughs> I didn't know about that comment before we started with Kim Davis, but now I'm aware. But they said, uh, they're like, you posted this to trick us. And it's like, not particularly. And second of all, that's way more thought than we put into things. That's way more malicious. You got to believe that I was just as surprised as any one of you that that shit went viral because I looked down and I go, are you kidding me? Raph and I did spend 42 minutes debating the most fair location for our next jujitsu match. We did (laughs) not spend 45 minutes debating the intent (laughs) of a Facebook post. Kevin and I often track trash to each other, in case you haven't uh, picked that up anyway. I was just thinking about that's discussions we yeah. had this week, and I was like, oh, yeah. we definitely spoke at nauseum about the lo- just the location in which our next fight would occur, not specifically. Kevin and I, we're very detailed about how we're going to fight and under which terms we will fight, because we have the time. It's You know how in Fight Club, when they would just talk about fighting anyone, we just add a lot of bureaucracy mm. and theatrics. Absolutely. So anyway, um, yeah, but when uh, somebody said that, you know, they couldn't believe that we would post that, I was like, did you not see the comedy portion attached to our name? Like, that's just kind of what we do. We want you guys to uh, get involved, discuss. It went beyond our wildest dreams. Nobody's getting an apology. If you're here now, great. And uh, we hope you want to stay with us because we have fun. I don't know about some of the people in the YouTube comments uh, that ventured on over to that Facebook post. Uh, to express their opinions on uh, who's retarded and not, but and you frankly, can... I I don't like where the votes are going. <laughs> I, I, I saw some comments, and I did not appreciate where we feel like some of the uh, lesser intelligence lies on this podcast. I don't like it at all. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's one thing when we talk about it, you fuckers. <laughs> Um, I will say for the most part, they left you alone. So that's, that's true. Good. That's true. But there was a pretty good group collective about our integrity, which was nice. Yeah. And, you know, uh, like I said, we have a good time. So for those of you who are new fans of our show and uh, have stuck around, which awesome. We're glad you're around. It's the kind of fun stuff we do. And I got to tell you, Kev, did you know that Conor McGregor actually put up a real response? I did, actually. And it's not as funny as that one. I was about to say. Were you a little disappointed it wasn't one that you were reading? I think he should have just seen it and been like, did it. That's me. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. and Gave the, the guy that wrote yeah, it $20,000. And could I be really honest with you? People thought I wrote it. Well, it does have your certain, um, the way you impersonate people. Yeah, I can see it. It's like, Believe it does kind of sound like a funny credit. It sounds like a comedian helped, which is also a credit to Conor McGregor. Sure. Um, not to be rude, but if Halleck Gracie had posted that, we'd have been like, somebody else. That was obviously, that wasn't him. But I did enjoy the fact that people accused me of writing it and benefiting off of it. And uh, you better believe that the second this podcast would have started, we would have been like, we claim it. We claim responsibility for that. That is us. So, you know, this is what it is. So welcome to the podcast, you guys. We hope you enjoy it. We've got some MMA topics that we do need to talk about. Also some jiu-jitsu stuff so that's much. been in the news lately. So, Kev, where are we starting? I want to start with Weidman happy he lost. And I don't have much to say other than, excuse me, Chris Weidman came out this week saying he's happy he lost. He feels like it's a learning experience. You know, he's going to grow and come back. I 
fucking love Chris Weidman. <laughs> There's your bleep for the day. I love Chris Weidman. I've loved how he's handled this, and this is me encouraging the rest of the world, just from a purely communication standpoint. When shit breaks bad and you need to recover, he's using essentially a Jeremiah. It's what Bill Clinton used. Use this. like Use this step of, you know, I'm going to take some time. I'm going to reflect. I'm going to learn from it, and then I'm going to come back. It's perfect. Love it. I think he probably is a little happy he lost, and I think he might murder the next person he sees in the cage. Do you think he was of sound mind when he made that declaration? What do you mean? You think he might have been uh, like starting my sort of therapy, inhalation therapy? You say he's high? Potentially, but I looked at the statement. And I was like, oh, that really seems noble and nice. And then I had a moment. And I thought longer about it, and I said, oh, shit. He was hitting the head a lot. Oh, yeah. In that fight. <laughs> Weidman's been doing that for a while, though. So I just presume he's always at a place where he's like, no, nah, I'm just used to getting in that. But I think that he got hit in the head so much, and I'll pose this as a theory to all of our listeners, that at a certain point he just goes, oh, my God, I'm so happy I got the shit kicked out of me. And I was like, oh, no, that's are, some deep brain damage. Are you posturing a theory that What's there's that? a place where you can get hit that it just becomes happiness? Absolutely. It could be. Wow. I don't know. God damn. People need to, you know, come for the fun, but stay for the philosophy. I've always <laughs> said that on verbal tap. Conor McGregor wants more money, Raph. Is this posturing? Is this, do you like this? Yes, absolutely. Because they want to get this, uh, this fight in the books. And I think, <clears throat> follow me on this. It's not signed yet. Raph and I were talking about this beforehand. No contracts have been inked. So it, I like the idea that they were testing the waters. They were saying... Yeah, we want to have uh, the dual fights. We want to have uh, Holly Holm defending her title against not Ronda. And then we also want to have, I don't know, maybe Conor McGregor fighting Rafael Dos Anjos. Maybe that he can win two championship belts. That might be kind of interesting. He's Irish and he's funny. Mm -hmm. We'd love for him to have two. And the timing of it just seems so impeccably smart. Because it's just enough time to recover and potentially, if it's a quick fight on either of those, be back in time for UFC 200. Ooh. So it Which seems I did like there's... See an, I saw an article, by the way. Mm. They're, UFC, they're getting ready for UFC 200 already. Oh, big time. they have to because they're going to be part of the very first thing to come out of the MGM AEG arena, which has now gone to the T-Mobile uh, presents. See that fucking sort of fact section. is the reason people got pissed yeah. when they found out those little quips. I want you to think about that. Go on. That was <laughs> interesting. Keep talking. <laughs> Let it be known. This is the vote. <laughs> that I've like. chastised you yeah. only as my theory, but I do want to hear more. Absolutely. This is the moment when the facts stop in the show and we just wildly turn into the wild wild west on here. Everyone that's a Republican's like, God, Kevin's got ideas. Yeah. No shit. All right, we keep alienating that base, but let's keep going there. Uh, I think what it's going to be is uh, T-Mobile has the exclusive naming rights to that, and it's going to be called the T-Mobile Presents the Family Shared Data Plan for Everyone and uh, Arena. And uh, anyway, so yeah, they want to get that in there. They want to make a whole bunch of money. The attention's going to be on. It's going to be the first thing to really be in that venue. So get excited for that. But for Conor McGregor to ask for more money, when they kind of announced it, said it's pretty much there, maybe not signed contracts exactly, but they're negotiating. For him to pull that out after it's gone so public that that's what they have in mind is not only genius, but I have one more thing for you, Kevin. 
Go on. What if I were to tell you that Errol Hwani had reported that this whole thing was going to go down on 3-5, that there were going to be two title championships that were going to come up on that card, yeah. and that Dana White, in a tweet, said, You're full of shit, fucking Hwani. What? And lo and behold, that's exactly what's happening. He was not full of shit. He was saying that Hawani was using that for clickbait material to try and uh, report, quote unquote, calling him full of shit. So now I ask you, now that we found out it's true and it's kind of like what they're planning, does that not make Dana White full of shit? Hey, it definitely does. And I just want to be on record. I'm shocked and outraged mm. at his glibness with the truth raf that does not sound like dana white or the ufc to me Mm-mm. but i'll wait for him to you know i'm sure there's a 30 30 coming out for about it, how he was like oh no i was just toying around we knew he does this all the time what the dana fuck are you talking liar. about yeah you he know, is here fucking 30 for 30 he's a liar and he's a rich one and he's probably gonna, gonna stay so that much, way it's gonna be a fucking 60 for 60 you fucks <laughs> dana white's story to the cage I love him. And I love this move for McGregor. Make some money. Well, you've heard the UFC bragging like crazy about how much money they made in 2015. They won't shut the fuck up about it. Well, prove it. They made a record $600 million in profit. And they also charged Donald Cerrone to not wear a Reebok-inspired or friendly apparel because he was supporting the troops. And they fined him for it. For Reebok policy, good. So finally, get him up for the little guy. <laughs> I love it when they when those come out. They're like, it's our policy to find them. It's like you find him for supporting the troops. <laughs> well, you know, he wasn't wearing Reebok. It's like, Shut the fuck up. No one cares. And thanks UFC. I thought it was dumb when they bragged about all their money. This is going to happen more, and they're going to have to write one big check to get Jones's ass back in that cage. And I can't wait to see what that number is. Speaking of writing checks for cages. Mm-hmm. Hoist Gracie might not be fighting for the love of the game. No. He might be fighting for employment. And I'm sure it's not an issue if he can't like, you know, go around to the many schools that he franchises his name to. What is going on with Hoist Gracie? Not paying some back taxes? Or you not know, paying some taxes? He's just he's on a friendly basis with the IRS right now. Yeah. In the way that like you loan your friend some money. And then you're like, hey, I'm the IRS and give me. And he's like, what? And we're also going to add interest. And like, yeah, your assets. If and okay. he'd be like, man, I got to like fight now so that I can pay off this IRS shit. Fuck you guys. I'm Hoist Gracie. Don't you know, I'm like jujitsu and things. <laughs> UFC me. Remember the good times? And they're like, yeah, don't give a shit. Well, uh, you know, get a good accountant. They're, find someone fresh out of grad school. EBI is starting to get me. Raph, I'm not just excited. Like, I'm. this is going to be one of the biggest grappling events we've ever seen right now. In terms of who's fighting on it. Galvan has signed on. Vinny has signed on. Yuri Simos. Mm-hmm. Has signed on. What is your instinct about how potentially good this could be versus should I temper my expectations a little bit? 
I always say temper them, but I think this sounds very promising. And it comes at a time when Metamorris is um, – <clears throat> what's the word? Uh, in trouble. On the ropes if we're going to use mm-hmm. a Floyd Mayweather <laughs> metaphor. <laughs> yeah. Welcome back to the podcast where we just keep using Floyd Mayweatherisms. We love just it. Just to, to welcome you guys and make you feel at it's home. The only boxer I can mostly name right now. Yeah. Well, okay, and this is real. So EBI is offering fifty thousand dollars. It yes. is it's EBI six or seven, I don't remember which. It's in Mexico City. Great location. I don't know why, but great location. And it's just exactly the same rules you're used to, except fifty thousand dollars and it's open weight. Yes. Open class. I'm ready for like a 400 pound Russian to take this. I don't know why. I just feel like there's going to be someone that's big. That I think the interesting thing for me is all I keep thinking about is, you know how they announce the names as they go on and you may not like if you're an athlete, let's just assume. All right. I'm involved in this. It would never happen. But let's just assume it's me. And I get the call and I'm like, really? You guys want me in an EBI? Okay, cool. And then maybe as you get closer to the tournament, you find out, wait, I'm sorry, Vinny, Vinny's involved? Okay. Vinny Maga, Maga well, Smith, his as cousin long as from Long Island? No. Not on the same bracket as him. I mean, I guess. That's cool. <laughs> All right. Who else is there? Andre Galvo. Whoa. Okay. Again, hopefully on the other side of the bracket. Who else? Yuri. Which Eddie Cummings? He in? What the shit is this? Why? Why this are there so many people? This is a death sentence. Dean Lister's fighting if you need a round off. Oh, God. No. <laughs> Cyborg, I think, also is in this. I don't, I'm, it's going to be awesome. So I kept thinking about that. And I kept thinking, like, what if you're that person who's like <laughs> the rando or, you know, you're just human and <laughs> you're you go, just a brown belt that didn't get them. You're not exposed to the media. Like you're just a Mexico City outskirts brown belt. It doesn't or follow much. what if this is the hardest to replace alternate kind of scenario ever? Fair where Once too, they yeah. announce the entire bracket, they're going to be like, and waiting in the wings is nobody. Uh, that appears to be the L.A. County SWAT team. Fighting as a unit. Interesting. All right. No heel hooks, guys. No heel hooks. They are shaping up to be something cool. So we're EBI fans. We have been. You've been to all of them. Not sure we'll make this one. Waiting on our plane ticket to arrive, I guess. So uh, stoked. Can't wait to see this. And I'm excited right now for multiple reasons. Mm. Raph, Condit isn't retiring. I don't think. So he says. Yeah, I was going to say. He is open to the idea of a rematch. I like the way he said it. It kind of did make it sound like he had won the fight, which, as we know, you yeah. know, maybe. Um, but I'm ready for Condit Lawler, too. Yeah, do you think things would be different if he is going to be coming back in? Yes, I do. I think the fight's going to be... Uh, I think it's going to end this time. I think someone's getting knocked out. Okay. I don't know that it's not Condit, because I don't think Lawler's going to come in with anything less than his uh, sharpest because he now knows what that feels like. Those elbows are brutal and they're beautiful. Interesting. It's just a lot to deal with. (laughs) McGregor versus Dos Anjos. I'm not wildly excited about the matchup, but let's talk about it for a second. Are you? Um, yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. That's kind of how I feel. It's like, could McGregor have maybe defended the belt two or three more times? 
And I understand we'd miss the opportunity, but I just don't care about him going up or Dos Anjos coming down because it's like, well, Dos Anjos is defended twice. It's not like they're these powerhouses in the division. Obviously, they are, but they're not defending on like a John Jones type level or an Anderson Silva type level or a GSP type level, which is the people we've spoke about this in the past. People that have defended multiple times. That's my stance. Okay. okay. <clears throat> and I hear what you're saying here. And I know I'm wrong if? money wise. I'm just saying. But what if? Okay. What if? And let me pose this to you. This is all like we're always talking about the super fights we want to see. And if we do see them, say, you know, GSP and BJ Penn, it's kind of past the point where you really want to see it. True. Um, they are normally well past their prime. So maybe this is the, the inverse of that. Maybe this is before A we knew we wanted to prime? see that. That's... We're just kind of like, oh, well, I guess we'll see that. Okay, sure. I had not thought about it like that. I got to tell you, the inverse prime theory is an interesting one. It's like, yeah, who wouldn't go back to watch Carmelo Anthony and LeBron James fight in high school or uh, play basketball, whatever the game was? I guess I would. Raph, you've convinced me. <laughs> let's start. Let's not stop there. Let's uh, see if Sage Northcutt's ready to fight <laughs> Rampage. We don't know that that fight. That fight could be something you we want to see. Go up a weight class or two or Raph, three. Raph, 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 Raph. I was watching the docu the docu series Polyamory on mm -hmm. Showtime. Rampage is in it. Oh, good. His in the second season, his boxing coach. Apparently, they're like friends and confidants. Is one of the people in? It's in a triad. It's a couple. It's two women, one man. Wow. Just uh, keeping up, and <laughs> you're not the only one keeping up on your MMA knowledge. Uh, I I put the time into this weekend. Well, of course, you always put the time into watching yeah. non-traditional forms of relations. Of course, that is uh, that is really your your mo on the show as well. But I'm but, gonna, I want to switch to traditional forms of relations. But go ahead. That's fine, of course. Uh, but I do want to kind of, I guess, bring this last thing up, which is if in terms of that fight, I do want to see it, I guess I'm excited about it. Uh, but I think maybe one extra thing that really makes me excited about it is the fact that it could potentially screw over Frankie Edgar. And I like Frankie Edgar, but I, I think I like seeing him mad and upset about it more than I do him getting his way. But yeah, the plot line of him never quite fitting in a division, yet seemingly always winning is a bizarre... Yeah, Frankie Edgar's had like one of the weirdest post-championship careers of any MMA fighter. Because uh, Separate podcast. We should just do a Frankie Edgar serial Absolutely. Cast. I'd love great. to have him on, and he could chew me out about it all he wants, That'd but awesome. this is how you know things are funny. Uh my wife sends me a photo of Frankie Edgar at the water park with uh, Jay Wow's husband. Like, they're all with their kids. Okay. So it literally looked like Frankie Edgar got the news that they were going to go in a different direction and was like, fuck you guys. I'm taking my kids to the fucking water park. <laughs> I'm going to hang out with Jay Wow. That's awesome. I, Frankie Edgar, you're the man. He should be fighting. I watched Copa Podia Saturday. How was it? Unbelievable. There was some sincerely fantastic gi matches. Uh, Leandro Lowe, uh, he's pretty good. Th it was unbelievable. Dylan Dernish was fighting. There was some seriously technical black belt sweep matches, and that was, I just, w I watched no less than 38 setups for your 50-50 to uh, the uh, figure four, but I don't think they were able to do that. Shooter, at but, but seriously, fantastic six minute high intensity gi rounds. 
looks awesome. I'm excited to catch up on it. Um, if you guys want to let me know Great which feed. matches to catch up on, please hit me up at Verbal Tap Cast. Let me know because, um, yeah, I just I really want to get into it and see as many as I can. I heard every uh, match gross. with uh, Dylan Dennis was immaculate, so I am just I am stoked to see that. Some seriously fantastic gee work, Raph. You're going to be entertained. Uh, some sweeps from some different angles, and it just no position was really safe from a really high level sweep and it was fascinating it's awesome a lot of alma plata sweeps which i was like okay it's coming back <laughs> this was teased out and i immediately messaged you and you shit on my fun ben Askren fighting aj agazar what did i shit on i i thought it was a done deal i was like Raph, and you were like ah, they're still working on it how close are we to this being a polaris reality and i can go from Back to my my one hundred and twenty percent excitement. Um, I sent a note to AJ. I said that looks like a great match, and I'm excited for him. I think it's a really fantastic one, and um, you know, it, it puts wrestling back into jujitsu, which is something we get criticized for that we're not good at. So it's nice to have a representative from us go up against somebody who's an MMA representative as well, but who has a super legit wrestling pedigree. So it, it really harkens back to the types of matches I think we like to see, which is what happens if you put X against Y. Um, Here's however, why I'm excited. Why are you excited? AJ is going to find the fight he was looking for. He's going to find the fight in his counterpart. Normally, AJ's intensity is very one-sided. Okay. Not not the intensity of the fight, but like the things in between. Like he doesn't like that transition slowness, and I like that. Well, Ben Askren's not going to like that either. Like, he's going to be right with him. So I'm just nervous about their foreheads and the kinetic energy when they first meet. And then I'm excited. I think it's a great match for both. Um, I'm intrigued to see what Askren does uh, in the context of a jiu-jitsu match. And maybe even, like, without the cage. I don't think he's dependent on it. I just think it changes things. And it's interesting to see how it looks like. Um just because he's so good about using that cage when he is in it. True. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited. For, but anyway, yes, the reason why we had to pump the brakes is, is because in the article, and AJ said on his own uh, fan page as well, which is it is tentatively. Yeah. And we're talking sad. about a guy that makes his money in MMA, AJ. I'm sorry, uh, Ben, who it's going to be one of those like MMA fighters always have that wild card. So I understand that. But looking forward to that fight i'm ready to see aj and ben and if the argument like, is that we're not sure if uh, like two trades if we're not sure that one fighting is going to let uh you know ben Askren fight for this I, I just have one argument because that could be a possibility okay my argument is as such don't you think just as many if not more people are going to be watching polaris than any of the one fighting. True. Yes. So, you know, not saying your ratings are bad one fighting. I'm just saying, why would you turn down the opportunity for more publicity when it's a grappling match where you have the opportunity to tap out? And yes, stranger things have happened, but for the most part, most of our athletes end up pretty okay. That's true. And, you know, AJ is one of the best people to fight in that regard. He's going to fight you, but he doesn't injure people. He's pretty good about that. 
He may slap, but he might we, slap we you. But can't frankly, be, yeah, Ben's like that's not a slap. That's we call it something different <laughs> where I'm from. Well, we're stoked to have UFC Fight Night coming up Sunday, January seventeenth. That's all we've got for our MMA coverage. Stick around; we have some fun guests. Verbal Let's Tap fans, BJJ nerdiness is being Boom. called into question. It has been questioned as we come on to the air by Abraham Marte. Abraham, how are you doing this evening? You're a black belt from the Dominican Republic. You started training in 2002. I'm just naming a few facts to get some credentials down. You're but, just reading off of BJJ heroes. Um, BJJ. I See, I have BJJ villains up. I must be on the wrong site. Where do I go back to... Okay, I see what you did there. I don't Dude, I'm the... stoked, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Welcome to the show. <laughs> He's welcomed <laughs> me a few times. I would like to point this out. And it got me confused. Because... At one point, I was like, is it his podcast? Wait. Of course. Kev, this is the funny part is uh, a lot of you guys don't hear this uh, because we always talk with the guest a little bit beforehand. Uh, but Abraham has become maybe the the hottest fire mixtape pre-interview we've ever done like that's how amazing it is so uh we're still dylan 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 (laughs) this is how you can also it terrifies me more when the jujitsu when the jujitsu athletes have like sort of an eccentric personality because it's like Mm. oh this is why they're a little crazy when they fight on the mat and not another drone you have that though. You kind of fight a little crazy because you go. You're a submission oriented fighter, so you say. Um, obviously, your record doesn't necessarily take us that direction, but we'll trust you on it. Mostly, I'm joking. Obviously, I'm also from a pretty safe distance. Are you in the United States right now, or where are you located? Before I talk too much shit, I'm I'm almost there, guys. I'm like two blocks away. I'm driving <laughs> to you as we speak. That's. <laughs> That would be terrifying if a six foot four, two hundred forty five pound giggling black DR, belt. I'm in DR right now, man. I'm in DR right now. Okay. Doing the reconnaissance work for the amazing winter BJJ camp we're putting together, which we'll get to in a little while. But dude, it's it's good. I'm here. I'm I'm enjoying winter in the in the beautiful Caribbean and Dominican Republic. It's a paradise here, and I'm stoked. Let me ask this. What does that mean for training out there? You know, you're in the Dominican Republic. What is what is the training vibe out there? I've never been out that way, and I, I would love to hear from somebody there and who's super good at jiu-jitsu, uh, kind of description yeah. of what that's like. Man, uh, I don't know. Like, it's just the, the vibe where I was, like, brought up. Like, I, don't, I wouldn't know how to describe it, man. Like, it's people are tough. Um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of people who just do this for fun. Now, there's not many like competitors uh, at my academy, but we just go. I, I it, it, it's good for me because I've learned to just enjoy jujitsu, and that's what I still do nowadays. And to learn from anyone, you know, from different situations, to learn, uh, to learn how to train with you know with your students, to tra- learn how to train with train with lower level people, you know, to 
to try to absorb everything you can from your from your master, you know, not just the stuff he like spoon feeds you, but like try to really, you know, emulate and understand the good stuff that he knows. And uh, I don't know, man. It's it's everyone that comes uh, uh, to our academy like basically likes it. So I recommend you guys come, man. It's it's dope, you know. And it's good for like, for you know, you guys, lower belt guys. It's fun, man. You know, it's we got some tough blue belts here, and you know, that's that's about it. I'm well, curious. I feel if if they're working with you, I don't know exactly how blue beltish they are. So, man, I'm, I'm going to proceed with weird. caution there. It's it's weird, dude. Like it's it's weird for me to explain, but it's it's more of like a like a family type. Mm. situation gym like a lot of friendship you know um and then uh, we open like i opened my like you know my own own school with my master um like about three years ago mm. and uh well my master is the guy who started jiu-jitsu here in the dominican republic his name is abraham tabar abraham also abraham tabar and He's like an old school, old school judo guy, old school jiu-jitsu guy. And he used to travel to learn jiu-jitsu, got the books, got the videos. You know, he was always into the groundwork in, in, in judo and just kind of developed it here. And, and I'm, a, I'm one of like his second, second batch of, of students, basically. But I'm the, I'm the only one who actually like, like st- stuck with him like a hundred percent I'm still under him. And, uh, and I think the, that's the difference between me and, 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 you know, some of my peers that I've, I've been actually, I've been actually able to, to be successful internationally, you know, like, uh, I'm not the best in the world, but you know, I can hang with anyone uh, at any tournament at any level. Like, thank God. And, um, why do you start competing? I'm, I did not hear this in your story. You, you said it's not necessarily I, I, a precedent. I, and you're one of the only people yeah. from the DR that's ever done what you're doing on your level. Why did you decide yeah. to start doing it? So, well, basically, I decided, I decided to start competing because, um, you know, I, I wanted the challenge. I, I just wanted to, like, ch- uh, like challenge my jiu-jitsu. Uh, back then, it was, it was, uh, when I started, it was more of a valetudo type thing. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so it was like, uh, you know, end of the night, like early 2000s, it was more like a Valetudo uh, MMA type training, a lot of no be shit. Slapping. Or you just like, so like the, what? Like the slapping, the open palm sort of hitting a Valetudo. No. Did I stump him? Did you insult him, Kevin? Is that what he did? I don't did? think so. <laughs> Did you get to slapping exactly that, that. I, I I just created an awkward silence to your okay. to, to your ridiculous your ridiculous comment. Mm. But yeah, so so um <laughs> it was a lot of like that old Valetudo type shit. It was like we need like two moves, you know, one one guard pass. And um after a while, like, you know, I just got to train with the same people here all the time so i was like like i got the the like the curiosity to like train you know to, i mean to compete sorry so that's how that's how i decided that you know and i actually started competing after 
I left jiu-jitsu for two years. I discovered strength training. Then I came back into jiu-jitsu, and I was feeling good physically. And uh, and that's when I, like, you know, I was kind of, I'm bigger than all the people I train with. Uh, I'm like 6'4". And, uh, and so, like, you know, just to, like, challenge, just to see, to see if I was up to par, let's say, you know? So, so uh, about that time, they started doing, like, the big competitions in the States. Uh, World started in 2007 in the States, and, uh, and PANS moved to California in 2006. So, I mean, did I say 2008? I meant 2007, and then PANS in 2006. And that was, like, my first uh, big international competition was the PANS in, in 2006, and in, 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 I think it was Dominguez Hills, California, back then. Mm. And uh, I, I went there as a white belt. But just to like to see, because I, I, I was able to tap all my friends out here at the academy. So I wanted to see, like, you know, I thought I was a badass. So I, I went there, but I didn't even win. Like, I lost as a white belt to a wrestler. Like, I won my first fight, ended up losing the second fight just off of the, off of the takedown. And that actually was, uh, like, one of the most, um, you know, a, a determining moments or you know one of the most like the thing that that has had the most impact in my game and the way i think about jiu-jitsu the way i think about competition believe it or not was my first loss as a white belt uh to a wrestler Hmm. uh off of a takedown install i wish i knew the guy's name but i don't but (laughs) thank you (laughs) so if you're listening out there and you remember beating abraham Marte as a white belt and thinking yeah yeah Later, no, as you see him now, I, obviously. I used to have like I used to have like a very playful. I used to keep quote unquote keep it playful. Hashtag. <laughs> I used to keep it playful, and you know, used to play that like flexible bullshit and kind of like relax mode and stuff. And then the guy just took me down and just like sat in my fucking guard for like five minutes, like four 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 minutes and thirty seconds out of the fight, and. Uh, <laughs> I got like really frustrated, but I understood that, you know, rolling at the academy and competing is two different things. And, you know, I'm happy. And that shaped my, my style, let's say, mm. was shaped after that moment, which is a aggressive style, I like to say. <laughs> I, I think we can all uh, agree to that style because I think the nice part but is no that one I'm, knows that. No one knows. Only the people who have witnessed it in person or have fought against me. I mean, that's the whole thing. Is you know, I think there's a reason why jujitsu isn't one of those sports that comes in 3D. Because I think they see somebody like you compete, and they're like, "Nope, I don't want that coming at the screen." Mm-mm. No, thank you. Yeah, I just saw Star Wars do it in 3D. It was really good. I saw it in, in IMAX 3D. Amazing. I love it. I did too. I have to ask you this because this was a a popular thing. Kev, have you seen the movie yet? No. Okay. Go ahead. Um, Spoiler spoiler alert. I don't give a shit. In fact, it's all the more reason to spoil it for Kevin. But Spoiler alert. Here's the thing. Abraham, a a certain competitor by name of Keenan Cornelius seemed to have a problem with the movie. Yeah. Did you read it? he's too young. Yeah, I I read his post. Uh, And what is your response to that? Uh, my response to that is, uh, I believe he's too young to, like, I, I was thinking about this. So if you're under 30 years of age, or even more, dude, if you're like under 32 years of age, 
Like, I don't know how old you guys are, but you can't feel what the movie was supposed to make you feel because, like, that shit wasn't part of your childhood. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, it just wasn't, dude. If you're a child of the 90s, Star Wars was not a part, an active part of your childhood. You know, it was not. Like, not the old fucking Star Wars, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, with that being said, uh, I think, you know, if you try to, like, rationalize, it happens a lot, you know, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I have, I have my nerd side and people sometimes in the fantasy world, uh, fantasy, um, comic books and, or like, you know, fantasy movies try to like rationalize things with, with, uh, with, with the logic or the boundaries by, by the world we live in, which is a different reality. You understand? Absolutely. So we just have to wait and see what's going to happen. But I do, if, if we look at it, sorry, if we look at it objectively, yeah, I do understand, like, the guy should have just, like, fucking crushed them, like, in a swipe. You know what I mean? But we don't so. even know the story yet. Like, we don't know. We don't know if he wanted to. We don't know if the guy, I, I think the guy is divided. We don't know if the guy's, Hidden agenda is to Very true. Mm-hmm. to destroy to destroy um, uh, the the order the first order. Mm-hmm. We don't know, you know. When he's talking to the mask, what does he want to complete? His his ba- like his bad guy mission or his good guy mission? And that's a great great perspective because there is a little bit of light and dark in him. So basically, uh, Kevin, yeah. just to give you kind of an outline here, uh, Keenan so had to reply. To reply to reply to what, what do I think? I think he's just a little yes. punk. Keenan is just a little punk. He has no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm glad that that's the response. But Kev, here's some he's uh, just, context he's for just you. A, he's just a kid. He's just a kid. He is a kid, but I, I will say this, Kev. So the context on this is uh, Keenan Cornelius apparently had a problem that a younger character in the series uh, could somehow be a prodigy and be really good at something, and that frustrates other people who dedicated their lives to doing it. And so, I told him, dude, that's, so what do you think you did when you like, you know, came up the ranks? Yes. And I was like, or of like course he, Keenan Cordelius he, can't see he that. He walks, so just say, just, th- just think about it. Like, Purple Belt Keenan walks into a, an academy in, in Brazil. What's going to happen to like fucking 99% of the people there? So he's gonna crush him. <laughs> he's gonna crush him. No. And, and, and you know, and oh, oh my god, but that guy's been a black belt for for ten years. How you know? So then it's yeah, it's good. It's a good point. The correlation you're making there, I see. I think I think I did. I think I did mention something like that. I'm like, dude, what do you think happened when you like came into the scene? You know. So yeah, Kev. In case you didn't notice, Keenan wrote a thing that was just kind of like, "How did this happen?" And it was a floodgate of responses because nerds, and it just it kept going. And the th- like I said, the thing that just kept making me laugh was I was like, "Of course, Keenan doesn't get it. Of course, <laughs> of course he doesn't. This is hilarious." So yeah. <laughs> that was my side of it. You know, Abraham, you mentioned you have a nerdier side, and uh, not who- that you needed to. After that conversation, but you guys of course, keep going. But somebody who yeah. is so big, so terrifying. I am just curious uh-huh. for those who do jujitsu, because there are many nerds in it. What are some of yeah. those nerdier indulgences, if we can so ask? Oh man, 
right now, it, the only way it's manifesting itself right now, right now, as we speak, is uh, I just I just like downed the the One Punch Man anime like in two days, two <laughs> days ago. Okay, so that's uh, so. Do us a favor. That, that's how what, it's. What is that? Because Kev is. I mean, one, he's stoned, so he Man? doesn't know what's going on. Yes. Oh, it's like this anime, but it's like a, a satirical piece, I would say, on, on like superheroes and shit like that. So it's funny. You should watch it. Wow. So it's a guy having a, he has an existential crisis because he defeats enemies with one punch, and that's like imagine you all you all of a sudden go to a tournament and you tap out everyone like in a second. Like, what's the point of being the best if it's that easy? You know? Yeah. So. You okay. know, what does it mean to be the strongest? So he had an existential crisis about that. But I, I so, used to be into anime a lot. I used to I used to be into magic in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also used to be into booze heavily. So it's like, uh, you know, it's a kind of got the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yeah, of course. You have again, a, you know, what I like to call I, my I curse. I have been known to get pretty wild, my friends can. So, <laughs> but yeah, um... Yeah, dude, I used to be into magic. I used to be, you know, into punk rock a lot. Uh, which to, is funny because, like, punk rock kind of, like, converged with nerdiness. Like, it kind of, like... It's true. You know, it, it, you, you know what I mean? And, like, fucking uh, Milo became, like, a standard, let's say. Um, so... Um, to, in, in today's life, you know, it's it's kind of like if you're, you know, into punk like that, you're, you'd be kind of nerdy also, you know, maybe. And uh, I used to be into punk, used to be into hardcore a lot. Uh, used to play Magic the Gathering, like, back in uh, fourth edition days, like a long time ago, in the 90s. Uh, what else? Mm, anime, used to be big time into anime. There's uh, a lot of used to be. Yeah, because obviously, like, jiu-jitsu just ruins your life. Like, the more you do it, you, like, you stop doing all the other shit. And, uh, and, uh, that, that's why that was before I got heavily into jiu-jitsu, so I had all this time to spare. <laughs> and, uh, then everything, like, you know, just revolved around jiu-jitsu and, you know, being good, maybe. I don't know, but yeah, that's uh, that's basically it. I well, can't I can't think of I I really love the um you, oh man I I really like Game of Thrones I really like Game of Thrones. Your nerdiness card and, has been punched. You're good. Yeah. Normally, um, you only have to list a few reasons, but that was impressive. Yeah. But I used um, to be really like really into anime, dude, like a lot. I used to like that shit a lot. But uh, only like violence type shit. And now your love with jujitsu exclusively? No, 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 man. It's 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 it's. Uh, I'm finding I'm finding balance now. There you go. So, That's nice. I like that. And that and I balance. Don't mean, I don't mean I don't mean balance jujitsu like the Milligrass brothers up in fucking <laughs> Philly. No, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> I was not able to find balance jujitsu. Like I tried to holler at them when I was in the area, but they were nowhere to be found. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, I'm just uh, I'm understanding, dude. Last year was a year where like a couple of my friends we trained a lot together and we went to a lot of experiences together. 
and uh, Cyborg's one of those friends, and we've been talking uh, these last few days, and man, it was amazing, an amazing, uh, you know, opportunity for growth, like the the way last, uh, or, or, or year 2015 played itself out, you know? So I, I spent like a long time in the States, uh, spent like, I, I left to the States in July, and then I only came back to Dominican Republic in December. So, so I was I was traveling for a while. You know, I I, I connected with so many people uh, in, in in places where I never been before: um, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, um, Ohio, like Cleveland and Toledo. So it's it's been it's been amazing, man. And so I, I, again, I'm just. I got to the point as a competitor where I was just like focusing so much on the goals that um, it happened to me as a brown belt. I, you know, my daughter was born, uh, and uh, you know, like kind of like reset everything. So it, I was like more like relaxed. Like 2002, when I when I won the world as, as a brown belt, I was like super happy at that time. I remember. And, uh, but then I, I got the tunnel vision again as a black belt because of frustrations. Right. And, and then, but then last year, uh, kind of like gave me that, uh, we call it, you know, we feel revitalized now. Like after we went to Brazil together, we did the ADCC, which was like the, the climax of the, of the, of the like tension and stress and, 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 and load of, of, of what we could feel as a competitor. And then we just like, you know, did some touristing, you know, some fun shit. And now we like feel like, you know, revitalized. So I'm looking forward to 2016. I, uh, I made my declaration on, on Facebook today that, you know, just watch me make history at 35 years old and be uh, the absolute black belt adult world champion. I already achieved it at Masters, but as an adult world champion, you know, to make quote-unquote history, which means only your little circle will actually ever give a fuck. But, uh, you know, hopefully it'll help inspire some people to, you know, not make obstacles for themselves and understand that, you know, if you do things wholeheartedly with love in a smart manner, if you educate yourself about when you want to, you know, about the thing, about your craft, uh, you know, you might achieve great things, you know, so it's going to be great no matter what, but I already declared it, uh, you know, double gold adult. So just, I like just keep goal. your eyes open. I mean, it, yeah. you know, the best part about it is when you put a man who already has uh, achieved and you put a fire in them with focus, it's dangerous what those people can achieve. So for us as fans of what it is that you already do, that makes us even more yeah, excited man. to hear that. Um, yeah, man. I'm, I gotta so, ask I'm really this. stoked about it, man. I'm really stoked about it. You should be, man. I mean, you know, yeah. you, you get to a certain place, and I, I do want to ask this for you because you mentioned a little bit of tunnel vision uh, when you start yeah. becoming a black belt. So that's something Kevin and I haven't experienced, and we won't be competing at your levels. But uh-huh. when you're talking about getting a tunnel vision – can you explain uh-huh. that a little bit more? Is that because 
you're competing at such a high level that there is going to be just a higher degree uh-huh. of difficulty? Is that, yeah, you know, it's, it's the, yeah, it's because of my personality. It's, it's just because of my personality. Like I'm not very good at multitasking. I, uh, you know, I, uh, if, if when I focus on one thing, I'm like tunnel, you know, like I'm one track mind, you know? So, so it, it ends up like kind of, you know, I do a hundred, I dedicate a hundred percent of myself to, to a goal. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, other, other parts of my life, uh, other parts of my life, uh, end up suffering, you know, because you only have so much sand in your bucket. So you have to, you know, take sand, you, you're taking sand out of your bucket, put it to, towards the castle. Right. So, you know, if you want to make a big castle, the bucket's going to be empty, you know? So, uh, yeah, man, I haven't, I haven't, you know, like it's, it's, it, once I got the, I was never a great student, but once I got the bug for jujitsu and I knew, man, like it just like my school, I, I'm, I, I'm, I actually went to law school. I'm a lawyer. Um, and yeah, dude, my school was affected. Like and a five year program took me like almost nine years. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and then my relationship was affected, you know, my girlfriend, uh, at the time when, when, the, when I had my first episode of, of that broke up, we broke up, you know, then, uh, after I got better, I was, uh, I was able to get back with her to, together again and we got married. And then when I got that, um, that tunnel vision again, that suffered also, you know, so, um, it's it's kind of fucked up, but that's just like my personality. I know other people who, who you know, ha- are able to no no sweat like be good at different aspects of it. You know what I mean? But uh, sure, I guess I'm a little bit of I get a little bit obsessed. Let's say, but I don't. It doesn't feel like an obsession, but the way I ma- it manifests itself. You know, if I look at it objectively, yeah, man. You know, like I. Uh, I take for granted other, uh, other aspects of my life, you know, like all the way until, until last year, I, I, I used to work also. So, uh, after I finished school, I started working as a strength coach. So I used to work like six thirty in the morning until like five in the mm-hmm. afternoon or six in the afternoon every day, man. Mm-hmm. So, but then I, 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 I felt that, you know, Third place at world was as far as I was going to get with that schedule. So yeah. I needed to, I needed to have more time to rest, you know, to have to have more energy to train, uh, you know. Uh, so, so just maybe because of my age, also, you know. And then I, I started doing jujitsu full time, like for the first time ever last year. 2015 was my first year I ever did jiu-jitsu full-time. So, uh, or maybe 2014. Yeah, 2014, I was still I was still working. So, uh, 2015 uh, was the first year I, I, you know, jiu-jitsu was my work also. So, I did seminars, and uh, but other than that, I didn't, you know, I didn't have a, 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 a job outside of jiu-jitsu. And would so you say... I feel, and I'm curious yeah. about this because would you say that that's actually that that drive that singular focus? Would you say that you need to have that to make the types of progress that you made? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that being the answer. I just like to know because you know when you're trying to balance multiple things, and it's like, no, that makes a ton of sense. I mean, I mean, it depends, man. Like, it's it's. I'm talking about my reality, dude. You know, I live here, so I have to travel to get like higher level of training. I would have to be able to travel. I have to travel to compete. I I don't have to drive. I can't drive to a competition. I have to get on the plane. You know, so. Oh man, uh, I don't know, man. Uh, life, life happens, and uh, you got to kind of be open and and be able to enjoy the processes. And you know, um, again, none of this. When I was coming up the ranks, I was never like what I see now with the with the young kids. You know, with the lower belts, they're like hardcore competitors. Like, you know, I don't I don't have like a definite opinion on that but i don't i don't know that's the best thing you know because that's like you're let's say okay so let's say black belt is the nba right i'm or, listening. Or major leagues right black belt oh, is the major absolutely. league so uh all the while like while you're doing like like little league uh whatever like high school uh, varsity, uh, of whatever, whatever league, triple A, double A, triple A, all that. So, but you're doing it like the pros do, you know what I mean? And I don't even know if that, like, I imagine a bunch of people like are going to burn out, like doing that, like up to, up to Brown Bell, dude, I only used to do like one or two competitions a year, man. Like, you know what I mean? So I, I, I kind of, the, the bad parts of that is that I, I, I don't have I, I don't have as much competition experience as a lot of my peers, my opponents, and I've lost fights because of that. But uh, I've never felt like burned out about competing, uh, you know, stuff like I don't know, man. I saw a lot of guys coming up with me that were like studs, and they just like disappeared, you know. So yeah. um, in my case. Uh, I, I did think about quitting after I got the black belt just because of disappointments, mm. you know, with the way, with the way uh, shit happens at tournaments, you know, uh, the way, the, the way the politics manifest themselves in jujitsu and that's at the, like the bullshit in the jujitsu, you know, all the, all the fucking, like a lot of assholes in the, in the jujitsu world. And after a while it does get, in my in my person, you know, in in my way of seeing things, it does get heavy, and it it becomes like draining, you know. So yeah. then I think like, you know, I am aware we are not rock stars, dude. Like, you know, the, you can be like the the most badass bad guy in jujitsu, and like nobody knows who you are, dude. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. We know. So yeah, yeah, I know, I know, but I'm saying like, so. It's it's weird, dude, and I'm just I'm just that much older too. So, I, how old are you guys? I just turned thirty. And Kevin? Oh, that, was that first of all, <laughs> how dare you? Did I that hurts. Make your, did I just did I just make your name up right now? No, you're fine. Well, okay, that Kevin is just you're, turned thirty. This is Raph. Okay. I am thirty three. So yes, the nice part for me, okay. and maybe you you understand this a little bit, but. 
you know, we're not the the competitors. We're the coverage. So we're the guys who are the broadcasters, if you would. Yeah. Um, so the nice no, part for me is is that having a bit of perspective or a little bit of age makes you uh-huh. able to look at some of the bullshit that does happen. And I just say this. You know, none of it. Like, if the athletes complain about not making money, just think about how much you don't make money when you're covering the sport. So that's one. Uh-huh. Number two, uh-huh. if there's politics that get involved, we don't want to cover it. Like, uh-huh. this is a passion that we love. This is what we get involved to do, and we uh-huh. love the sport. So for us, yeah. it's having that perspective that I, I understand what you're saying about uh-huh. in terms of how it can. Well, drain. it gets it gets old and it's draining, you know. So that's mm-hmm. that stuff like that, you know. Stuff like that made me like. I remember when they put like the the suit and ties on the refs in the in the in the at the world and shit. Yeah. And uh, I remember thinking like you know like something poetic like you know like the, like the, the the tournaments are a circus and we're like the clowns. Like the athletes are the clowns in the circus. You know, you're not treated you're not treated like an athlete. Like you are the show, you know, and I was looking at guys like, like fucking Rodolfo or guys like even like Homulo, you know, and man, I think people like that, they should, they should, they paid their dues, man. They should get like another type of treatment, you know, and, and it's like, it's weird. It's just weird, dude. It's like a pro sport and it's an amateur sport at the same time. And it's like a hobby at the same time. And then everybody's with the the Instagram post with the with a picture in the podium, you know, and all that like all that bullshit. It just like it got you know. I'm not a kid, bro. I'm 35, grown ass man, you know. So, uh, but again, traveling so much, meeting great people, you know, just refuels the the good stuff. And and that's like my speech at the tournaments is. You know what, dude? If you put it on a scale, like the good stuff about jiu-jitsu just blows the bullshit out of the water, you know? So true. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, it's, it's, it gets frustrating, but, man, you, <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I just, you know, I, I've endured some shit at tournaments, and, and it just, I don't know, dude, it sucks. And I see it with other guys, too, you know? And it, like, breaks your heart a bit, but... Uh, Again, dude, it's it's all uh, it's still in diapers, man. This sport, believe it or not, it, it is still in diapers. And yeah. uh, I'm sorry. No, I'm agreeing with you. No, I'm it, saying absolutely, it, yeah. yeah. It's, that's a good way to yeah, put yeah. it. It's in transition. Well, yeah. It's in it's an. The industry. reason why I say that is yeah. because as a guy who's worked in TV, when we talk about getting it on TV. I'm always reminding people, I'm like, there are certain things we have to do to make it ready for TV. Yeah. That's what gets you to the next part. And, you know, like, uh, there was some controversy recently about uh, two young kids competing at EBI using heel hooks. Yes. And you have two very, you know, I understand both sides. But when you look at these people who are saying, like, you know, I don't give a shit. If they're a kid and they're 16 and they say it's okay to go with heel hooks, they should be able to go with heel hooks. And I think to myself, no TV yeah. package would ever put that on air. And people yeah. need to understand that well, that's part well, of the resistance. Well, I, 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 I did, I did, I did uh, write on that post, uh, and I was uh, my my view on that was it's irresponsible, but I don't blame the organizers. I blame the kids' coaches and the kids' handlers. You understand? 
I do. I do. And and I mean, Ronda Ronda Rousey. Mm -hmm. I put responsibility on her coaches and handlers. You understand what I mean? Absolutely. She's a, you know, like your coach is supposed is supposed to like keep you grounded. It's supposed to keep you in check. It's supposed to do the best for you. It's supposed to do the best for you. So, I agree. I agree. And I, I again, I think it that is more of an issue with the athlete and uh, the competitor. And I think that's a valid one yeah. to make as well. Um, you know, yeah. especially in Ronda's. Tell your, tell your guy, oh, you're the best. You're a stud. You're a stud. Oh, 100 percent. When she was in danger and they didn't give her a strategy and they just said you're doing great when she was clearly getting outclassed is damaging not just to her as a career, but it's damaging to her health. And that's a huge issue. Yeah. I, it's 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 herself, but I, I I'm telling you because to me those two things are similar. Like the Hewlett's kid situation and Rhonda, I it's the same to me. It's the same type of thing. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, now, but the issue like, I'm raising up is this: is more the issue of an audience being able to stomach seeing a child get heel hooked. That's the problem with TV. Because the, the, the athlete issue is one issue to itself, and that's a worthy debate to have. But the perspective I'm bringing on this is it's the same thing that happened because I was there live watching it. When I'm there and I'm looking yeah. at people and they don't know what to do, just imagine what a TV audience exactly. is thinking. Exactly. And so that's exactly. where I'm coming from the perspective of no, that's we're, fine we're, if you want to train if you want to do it. We're still in the Stone Age, man. Exactly. And, and, and in all honesty and in all transparency, we have to understand the, you know, different levels of education of okay. people running running the show. Mm. You know what I mean? I can hear that. So yeah. that's a, I'm sorry? I can agree to that. You know what I mean? So, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get too acid, so I will like, you know, keep keep some of my ideas inside. But people <laughs> who know me uh, personally have had have had conversations similar to this, you know. But man, if <laughs> you know, if if if, if, if okay, if the leg, if the leg, if, if if someone is a legend in our sport, and that person was famous for 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 gang for beating up ganging up and, and, and with, with his friends and beating up people and that's a legend you know some someone that's revered then fuck dude like you know there's that, that that's that's where we're starting from you know so i mean Abraham, I have a feeling we're going to have to talk to you again. Between the, he went to law school. Raf and I both have communication degrees. We should have known this was going to get philosophical. Uh, uh-huh. We've had you for a few minutes. I do have to turn this a little bit and talk to you before we lose you for the night about BJJ for change. All right, so that's perfect because what I was saying about the good stuff in jiu-jitsu, what I was saying about uh, people growing tired of of, of you know of the bad side of things of the of the bad type of egos of the of the um, uh, self-centeredness you know people grow tired of that shit so this is total opposite this is using the good stuff in jiu-jitsu to 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 do good to society to do good to people's lives to improve uh, 
the 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 people in in less fortunate situations, giving them a chance to use sport as a vehicle out of poverty, out of crime, out of out of going into you know into into bad shit, and uh, and you, there's so many like success stories from jiu-jitsu, so many so many doors open for you through jiu-jitsu that, man, it's not just going and, and getting that gold medal at the Worlds, man. There's much more than that. And BJJ for Change uh, is, is looking at that. And my project uh, in, in, in Dominican Republic, Fighting for a Dream, is looking at that. Through a podcast, we connected, and now we're working together. And, and um, you know, uh, a company called Tropical Dreams, uh, it's like uh, martial arts, martial arts destinations. Uh, is putting together this winter BJJ camp, and it's all in benefit of, you know, this this first one is all in benefit for, of fighting for a dream, which is a, you know, a project here in the Dominican Republic to let to, to help, uh, you know, ki- uh, kids from the slums, kids in, in uh, less fortunate situations, or anyone who wants to, you know take the path of, of sport or martial art to, to you know, help them uh, have access to world-class jiu-jitsu, world-class boxing, and world-class wrestling, That's you know? Awesome. So, uh, it, it being, be, being the, I don't know if you know, but Dominican Republic is the, the second uh, country with the, the most, the, the highest production of, of, of baseball players. Mm-hmm. Some of the best athletes in the world are from the Dominican Republic. A lot of world-class boxers are from the Dominican Republic. Um, so uh, I think it's, it's going to be great to bring those kids with, with that athletic potential the access to these sports, and that's what we're doing right now. So we're putting together an amazing, an amazing camp. Uh, it's going to be Cyborg, Roberto Barrow Cyborg. It's going to be Rodolfo Vieira, who in my opinion is like, you know, yeah. The, the the most dominating uh, jiu-jitsu player in in the last uh, in the last few years, uh, you know, my, with, with like fucking perfect technique, and uh, and myself, we're going to be teaching. It's going to be at a at a premium uh, like a five star resort, all inclusive, food and drink, um, and you know. Training jiu-jitsu twice a day, having like Q&As, having workshop style sessions, being available for private classes, and just bonding and connecting with people from all, all over the world. So um, it's, it's, it's something amazing. And it's all part of what BJJ is, for change is doing. They're doing a documentary on jiu-jitsu. And this is like, you know, you can be part of the documentary. This is the first step. Then they go to Brazil, then they go to somewhere else, and it's it's all going to be on this uh, documentary for Netflix. But it's all with the underlying or, or with the with the goal of helping the kids, you know, pay homage and and uh, and improve improve people's lives and share this thing that we love so much, you know. So I have to say, first of all, uh, a great great opportunity for people to go through. Um, you know, who's going to turn down the opportunity to work with any of the three of you, uh, all 
ridiculously good at jiu-jitsu. And, and as you mentioned for Hidalfo in particular on this one, um, would you mind passing along a, a message to him from us? Yeah, for sure, man. Great. He doesn't know who we are, but that's not uh-huh. here there. But um, uh, he's uh, been talking about going into MMA, right? Yes. Okay, can you pass the message, um, don't? <laughs> because here's the thing. As a spectator, and I get it, he needs to make the money. That's fine. It's not that. It's just we can't I, I lose a guy like him. We lose I, I a guy like think, him. I don't, think, I don't think it's about the money, man. That's the thing. I don't think it's about that, <sighs> that's part of the stuff that breaks no. the heart. He just wants I new wish. people to beat I, up. I get that. I wish. I wish. I wish it was the money, Mal, because that's a much easier thing to digest. I wish for sport created an environment where the athletes didn't feel they had to migrate to MMA for money. You understand? That they would feel valued and cherished. Not by us as fans. He knows we think he's the shit. He knows we think he's the shit, you know? But as the sport, you know what I mean? What I mean? And I've been I've been to the biggest competitions in the world. I can't tell you, you know, they they don't they don't treat you as as such. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And I'm not Rodolfo Vieira, but I'm saying, dude, if, if I was him, few of us are. And I felt and, and I felt and I felt I was, you know, fuck, dude, I was kind of being taken for granted. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I I would be I would be demotivated, bro. Like. Uh, I would, I, I would like, I understand him. I understand yeah. him. So I haven't talked to him about this, honestly. Like, I, he's like my good friend. I love him very much. But um, uh, that's, and I don't know, man. Like, I don't know. I've, once you reach that level, it's like that one punch man thing. Well, you know, fuck, dude. Once you, you're able to like basically destroy everyone. Like, how fun is it? For you, you know? <laughs> no, but, but, but it's fun for us. It does look and, fun if I could know, just commentate like, on that. Absolutely, it looks and I mean, very fun. I have to ask this because you know, at my gym, they call me the Hodolfo of our gym, just about <laughs> the the size, speed, intensity, or talent. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's just something I live with. But when I watch him, I find that, and, and you find this, we're a, a sport in which Man, this is I was, I was really trying to make an awkward silence, but you just kept on talking, so I, it, nobody could know. Nobody. Yeah, it's it. okay. Don't worry about but it. I, I, after, I know what you're. After, after you said you're the Hodolfo of your gym, I like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing the crickets here in my yard. Like, Here's the thing. First of all, how dare you? Second of all, uh, I said I'm the Hodolfo of my gym without size, talent, speed, or intensity. And uh, oh well, I forgot oh, the last. Oh, I thought you meant command- because. because. <laughs> no, <laughs> and without the eight pack. Yeah, well, I was also going to go with it's like uh, mostly. I just uh, dress like him. And I also don't have his command of the English language. I mean, shit, it, the list goes on, guys. Oh, um, don't hate on the guy. Come on, man. I'm not going to hate on. Him. I, I respect him. Here's the reason why. You don't have. Uh, you, don't, you definitely don't have his selfie his selfie skills. That's for sure. Jesus Christ, if I had his body, there would be selfies on the daily. Yeah, and then they would be unapologetic. It would just be like, look at this and enjoy it and understand that. I think that's how he sees it. 
And but the if reason anyone else out there would like to see his abs, bjjforchange.com, you can it's see right there, his, right you can train center. with Cyborg. I'm just throwing out a little pro. Absolutely. Go on. But here's the reason why. is Us as fans, we have the unique ability to truly learn from the people like him who are so great at the sport. And I feel that it, when you lose somebody like him, not only do you lose a competitor, but you lose uh, the ability to learn what it is they do and how they do it so well. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Okay. I agree, and it's, but it's the same thing. As a fan, I learned the same thing with Hodger. You know, I, 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 like, don't get me started on Hodger either. Yeah, and also, I mean, even like, even like, oh wait, what the fuck? You better not have Pete on the floor. All right, um, <laughs> so um, like people like Marcelo and mm. Galval, they both tried MMA, bro. You know, and why? Like so young, you know what I mean? Like I don't know, maybe, or maybe they just have that fire inside of them, like the challenge and, and that that type of thing. And I understand that also. I guess That's I true. just, um, you know, if it's that, if it's that, you know, if that's the heart of it, then I understand. But I personally like, I know what it takes, like, to to you know to be a, an athlete. And and to be good at, at a sport, like it has to be your your whole life, you know. So, like I don't have that that passion for MMA where I would want to do that, and yeah. and I and and, 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 I, and I don't want to even be involved with the dirty side of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, uh, so for me, it's easier and more comfortable to like just say jujitsu, and my goals are jujitsu, you know. Because yeah. I, I really, really, really love it, man. Like, I really, I'm a little passionate about jiu-jitsu. And, uh, and, you know, and also, like, I don't want to have any brain damage, personally. Um, but, uh... Is that like a Christmas card that said on over to Hidalgo? Got brain damage? And then on the inside, just wrote, yeah. you won't if you go, <laughs> if you don't go to MMA. Yeah. Well, I don't look, understand what you guys just did. But, I know. But anyways, it's, uh, it's a good joke. But here's but, the thing um, I'm going to tell you. Abraham. You look, you look at, you look, give me one second, bro. Give okay. You look at legends, you look at legends like Vanderlei Silva or fucking, uh, even let's say somebody like a little bit under that would be like Rampage. And they can't, like, like fucking Rampage can't make a, like a paragraph, bro, you know? Yeah. And, and then you look at the people who like built the fucking thing, like like people at bees and you know the um, the old uh, Don Fry, uh, Dan Severn, you know, like where's the fuck? They're they're not like you know they're not Magic Johnson, bro. They're not like they're not fucking you know they're not uh, like Doctor J. You know what I'm saying? Like or they're not uh, fucking uh, Tony Montana. Tony Montana, no. Tony Montana? Tony Montana. Who's Tony Montana? Tony Montana Scarface. Yeah, I was about to say, I was like, um, well. No, no, I I, I meant like like Montana from football. Uh, Yeah, no, I got uh, Joe Montana. Joe Montana. You're not fucking Joe Montana, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's super sad, so I don't don't want (laughs) to. Well, Abraham, <laughs> aside from maybe renting uh, Scarface over the weekend, just to revisit your memory, 
Uh, I have to say thank you so much for stopping by. I think it's really cool that you're able to talk about BJJ for change because um, it sounds like it's what reinvigorated your passion for jiu-jitsu. Just, you know, as somebody who I know really appreciates the sport, um, on behalf of all of us fans, we just want to say thank you for for giving back to the community. We're excited to hear about it. We actually hear – we have your partner online who uh, is putting this together. Um, I was really surprised to find out that the lead singer of Coldplay had something to do with this. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Martin is on the line. Chris, how are you doing, man? Hey, absolutely. Thanks. Yeah, unfortunately, the uh, lead singer of Coldplay is messing up my SEO, so – I had to change. I had to change oh, over to BJJ for change. I'm going to tell <laughs> you this yeah. right now. He may be messing it up, but come I, Super Bowl weekend, I think you're going to be pretty happy with the amount of people looking that up. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Even though it's going to be a half. Um, you know, I have to ask you this while we still have Abraham on the line, though, uh, Chris. Obviously, you're putting this together. We want to thank you for joining us. Uh, you're going to stick with us, but I have to ask you this. So Abraham, in his explanation of nerd exploits, told us that there is a one-punch man who has a problem with being so good at killing people and his foes that he doesn't really want to do it anymore. It's kind of an existential crisis. Do okay. you think for one second that if Abraham Marte had that power on the mats – in terms of all competitions, he wouldn't use that power. Honest Abe, uh, I don't think he would. Okay, okay, that's a that's a nice way to say that, Abe. What do you have to say to that? He hung up on you again. Oh, the son of a bitch! I, I did it! I did it! I did it! Um, I don't know. I know. Like. Uh, Honestly, if, 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 if probably if I would like destroy people like easily and like would not, not feel a challenge, like I would probably, yeah, not want to do the sport. Like, I guess as an athlete, all you, what drives you is, is the challenge. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, that's how, uh, you know, greatness is measured by the circumstances in which, in which it's achieved. Is that, an, is, is that an original? Is that an original quote? Did I just make that up? I don't no, know. But we trying to figure out if that was a yes or a no to the punching thing. I guess. It was yeah, a I know. No. I, I would know. like to say this. Uh, we here at the podcast own the rights well, to I that phrase, a, whatever it is. Greatness, greatness can only be by the circumstances under which it is achieved. Man, Google that. I think that's an original by me right now. <laughs> I'll Google it. Anyway, yeah, if, if, if I had that ability of like just like you know stopping how people like in a, you know effort, effortlessly, I don't think it would be fun, and and then I would probably go to MMA. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're not going to MMA. I think in the future you and I have to talk about uh, pulling our together resources, our collective resources, to try and get people in jujitsu to stick with an MMA. So. Uh, I, I'm sorry. Stick with jujitsu. Uh, yeah. But uh, I'm really glad that. What's that? Oh, I was just going to say, uh, we just wanted to thank you so much for stopping by today. We obviously would love to have you on another time to talk about a plethora of other things. Um, but we thank you so much, man. And uh, where can people find you on the social medias if they want to uh, find you, follow you, all that good stuff? All right, man. Being, being that I'm 35 years old, I, I say I don't have, like, full, like, uh, you know, 
open, like, I'm not a pro at, like, that, uh, you know, I'm going to make an effort to be better in 2016. But you can find me on Facebook, uh, like, I have my, my, my athlete page there, like, my fan page. Uh, my personal page is full, but, you know, if you message me, then we can get connected to there. Um, and I have the Instagram, and they're all my name, like, uh, Abraham Marte, Abraham Marte, M-A-R-T-E. And, uh, man, it's, it's, uh, thank you so much for, for, you know, for, for having me on the show, for, you know, being cool. And I, and I want to thank you guys, uh, as I've done with some others, for doing this from the heart, you know, from, from, for loving Jiu-Jitsu, for, you know, loving the, the, its highest, uh, you know, um, representatives, like its best representatives, you know, being fans of people like Adolfo, you know. And at, at the end of the day, man, that's what's going to make this uh, wheel turn, you know. It's just like doing stuff with love and, and not, you know, the opposite. Like, no hidden, you know, not because for your own hidden agenda, you know. So thank you so much. Thank, thank you for being passionate about the gypsy. And please, uh, don't quit and enjoy. And tell every time, make it a point to enjoy your gypsy, you know. Um, Chris is going to tell you more, dude, because it's really funny how all this uh, kind of, like, clicks together. And that's why we're all so stoked. Like, I think, you know, uh, right now is the turning point. This is happening together with other stuff that's got going on within the United States, which is all going to be like a like a big uh, snowball or domino effect of positive things that I b firmly believe are going to really change like the game, you know, really really change the way things are within our community, you know. So I think we're at a at a turning point right now, and. Uh, you can be part of this documentary and be part of Jiu-Jitsu history, and it's all going to be, you know, part of this domino effect of, of great things to come. So um, thank you so much, guys, and I just hope to see everyone here uh, for the camp. So uh, hit us up on Facebook. Also, look up BJ for Change. Look up Fighting for a Dream. And uh, there's also jujitsutour.com which is something awesome that's going to happen within the state, and also Submit the Stigma, which is another great initiative within our jiu-jitsu community, which is another aspect. Uh, it's going to, you know, uh, it's in, like, uh, focusing on helping people with mental illness within our community, you know, which I think is a big part of it, as, as we experienced with the podcast with, uh, with Kevin. So... Um, <laughs> Thank you so much, and uh, man, awesome. Abraham Marte, thanks, Abe. Chris, he has Gosh. started to get us there, but I, you've got to start talking to us about how something this big, BJJ for Change, comes together. You've got cool people uh, like Abraham doing it. It sounds amazing. Give us a little bit about how this thing gets started. You know, it's like he said, it's a snowball effect, and it's it's jiu-jitsu, so first of all, you've got to have a passion and love for this sport, martial art, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, I know you guys are talking kind of about, uh, I, I caught a little bit of the, the MMA and the jiu-jitsu, and really it's two different worlds. Um, 
And the guys that I notice that really excel in jiu-jitsu are the ones that don't, you know, maybe they dabbled in, in the jiu-jitsu a little bit. Like, I know Braulio Estima, for example, I think he got in there, you know. Um, Drysdale gets in there. Um, and these guys excel because they're so, they're jiu-jitsu. Um, obviously, they've, they're top-level jiu-jitsu. You know, any black belt is on a whole other level than your average MMA fighter. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, it's a lot of them who really excel in the jujitsu are the ones that are so focused on jujitsu, but it's because they love it so much. Like it's not work. The training is not, it's not hard to train when you're, when you're doing jujitsu. Um, it's, it's, you love what you do. You love sure. putting the gear, you'll roll three times a day. And, and, you know, there's a few people out there that are junkies. I consider myself one of them. That's why I started BJJ for change. Um, I've always done social work. Uh, the group of people that I'm involved with this, with in this project are people that excel in social work projects. Um, and I wanted to do something for quite some time. I just, you know how it is. I, will, I don't know if people do or not, but, you know, everybody's got a, a, a charity of some sort that they contribute towards or support. Um, and you know, I really, I, when I was in college, I had a group cause I was doing mentoring. I worked with, uh, youth kids and I uh, actually, I still work with some of those kids now, um, back from, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Um, but, uh, now, you know, over the last 10 years, I really didn't have a project, but I've been rolling jiu-jitsu for eight years now, and it's completely transformed me. It's completely changed my life, um, and it's something that I've fallen madly in love with. And it's, uh, you know, it's it's like if you're going to mix your, the efforts that you're putting in, um, you might as well do it with something that you love. And jiu-jitsu is just, that's, I love it. So I'm completely down for this cause. And I have children. Um, they are involved in jiu-jitsu. It's a big part of our life. I have two girls, um, nine and six, and they roll with me and they're, you know, competitors. And, uh, one of them is the nine year old is, and, uh, it's just a way of life. It's something they just have to do. Like I completely admired the Gracie, you know, you see those kids in the little geese and, you know, it's just part of their life. It was just, they were on the mat. That, that was it. Um, and that's what I do with my daughters. And then as, as a father and, and somebody who really wants to make the world a better place for future generations, the only people that I, I feel that can be so invested in something like that are people who have children of their own. So they, they understand like they have fear, um, fear of, you know, a world that we live in right now that is drastically changing. And, uh, I'm not saying we should live in fear, but we should have, confidence that we've given our kids the tools and the resources that they need so that they can go out and they can face this world and make their own decisions and have awareness um, and, and, and be physically fit. And it's, that's something that we're fighting as an epidemic as well. So from a, a, a kid's organization, it's the kids who are the future of America, of Brazil, of, you know, China, Russia, India. It's, it's the next generations that are going to even change. You know, we've done such a great job with technology 
and in this world to where we are, maybe we've done a good job, maybe we haven't, maybe we've abused it, who knows, we could go through that all day long, but it's a drastic change right now, and, and the next generation has the ability, um, they're going to be able to capitalize on our mistakes and, and choose to make this world a better place or not. Now, if every kid does jiu-jitsu, do you guys believe that this world is going to be a better place? Absolutely, except not for me in 15 years on the mats. Everyone yeah, else, no, we're yes. in big trouble. We're in big trouble. We've been talking I mean, about this. And this is yeah. your one, another one of those organizations that's trying to get me tapped mm-hmm. out by a purple mm-hmm. belt. That's uh, you're going to be. Since they were five, making you're, it so that problem, I'm faking Chris. injuries from now until I'm 75. <laughs> you know where I'm like, hey, Raph, you want to roll with me? Not to roll with some of these youngsters <laughs> that are coming to the like, ranks. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa! What do you mean you want to roll with me? Ah, my shoulder. You know better. <laughs> Oh, God. Or just done some tea. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise, yes, we agree with your sentiment. Absolutely. And, I mean, here's the thing. We like talking with you because you're an actual good person. Kevin and I don't really do anything. Uh, So, you know, it is nice to hear there are people like you fighting the good fight out there. Um, Do you guys have have kids? No. No. Probably for the better. yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I'll tell you right now, um, it's, you know, like I said, I have a nine year old daughter. So the last 10 years has been jujitsu and kids for me. So sure. my, you know, I'm 37 years old. Um, it's just a different, I just, I just, it's just a different mindset for me. It's my, my world is different because of the kids. And I would believe that, but I think that part of the interesting part for you, uh, and in response to if I have kids, uh, none that I'm aware of. Anyway, so. <laughs> The thing I'm, I want to stress with you is when you start putting this together, you're able to pull together not just like some so-so names. We're talking like heavy hitters that any other sport would just be salivating right. to give ordinary folks the opportunity to train with. How did something like that happen? How did you get in touch with you know Abraham? How did you get in touch with Cyborg? And how did you get in touch with Adolfo? Because well, let's, let's start there. Well, that's, that's, that's interesting how – things happen. I'm a big believer that everything happens for a reason. And we were, uh, it was Braulio Estima and I were on BJJ show with Daniel Acevedo. And we were promoting the cause. And we were actually at the time we were promoting a different trip. It was the same end result. Uh, BJJ for change. And, and, and I will get into it, you know, how we came about and uh, where it started. But before the trip was actually scheduled to go to Brazil, and we, like you said, we had a bunch of heavy hitters uh, all going uh, down for that shoot, documentary project, seminar camp, everything. And we were on the BJJ show discussing it, and just like we are now, um, bringing awareness to the project uh, for BJJ for Change. And at the same time, it's one of those things where it's like everything starts kind of falling together at, at the exact time, at the exact you know, at the exact moment. Um, and then the next week after we were on, uh, Abraham and his partner with the kids, Dominican Republic, it's fighting for a dream. It's Calum Kalista's crew. Um, he's a really cool dude, unique individual. He's like the number one brown belt masters, um, and a real talent. And also has a really unique story, which you'll hear more about as, you know, we start to promote BJJ for change. We'll be promoting, Calum, and we'll be promoting these other organizations that we're going to be bringing awareness to 
through the documentary and the film, um, but also through these social camps and seminars. So um, after we were on the show, they were on the show right after. And it's just the, the ironic, um, the ironic thing was their camp and our camp was set to go off at the exact same time. And we didn't know about each other. Um, and that's the cool, like I said, the cool thing about technology now is, you know, you can do a podcast and then somebody can hear it from across the world and then reach out to you. And that stuff has been happening for the last few months um, on a daily basis because of BJJ for Change, like people from Palestine and, you know, uh, South Africa and all over the world um, have been reaching out to us about their causes and organizations. As I mentioned uh, in an email to you, um, even uh, Eddie Cruz, um, I heard him on your podcast, and now we've organized uh, gi donations, and that's going to be the first stop for our gis are going to Honduras. Um, so everything kind of comes together. That's amazing. And, yeah, that's it is so amazing. Cool. Actually, as soon as we saw yours, it was uh, Raph and I were talking about that. It's like, oh, it's so good to sort of see these things establishing a culture, really investing in children, especially in places where you can prove jujitsu is going to help. That's cool. Because according to many pop songs, the children's are the future. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I would sing it for you, but, you know. Don't we, no, I don't think we no, can get the no, rights. No, uh, hold on, hold on. The, Do you, are you aware of the rule in screenwriting that says don't show a gun unless it's at some point going to be shot? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Just know wow. that from an entertainment perspective, don't show the gun of you singing and yeah, don't no. expect us not to pull it. So no. that's that's podcast one oh one for me to you. Yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> Let's get through the interview first. Chris okay. is like, duly noted. <laughs> All right. I don't know what David Acevedo is teaching you over there at the BJJ yeah. or whatever, blah, blah, blah show. Uh, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I, you know, honestly, I don't know him. I'm friends with just about every other podcast. Uh, yeah. So he that's the best way to get to know me is that I'll try. They're, yeah, he, they're, they're new. And uh, him and Caesar, um, they're cyborgs uh, crew. And, um, it's, I've, I've, it's, I've been listening to them for, um, since they started a really unique perspective and, you know, they've had guys like probably on and whatnot, but, um, he is a really cool, he's, he's one of, he's one of those guys where it's like, you know, Hey, it's a great cause. You know, he said, let's get you on right away. However I can help. Um, and it was that type of deal. And it just so happened that, um, after our podcast, Abraham, Caleb client came on to promote their um, trip again, same time. And it was really, it's like the BJJ community is looking at this from the perspective of, okay, well, we're all trying to support the same thing with which is kids. And the intention originally was focused on the kids in Brazil, but it was like, Hey, you know, Hey, over here, you know, there's, there's some poor kids over here and there's some poor kids over here and there's some kids here. And it is a global epidemic poverty. And there are guys like Calum and Eddie Cruz who are doing really cool things and they need to have awareness brought to them. Um, they need the funding and they need the support. So um, that was, uh, we stepped back. I heard, I listened to the podcast, Dan, Daniel Acevedo to Chris, you know, take a look, listen to these guys. 
because um, you know we'd really love for you guys to get involved and connect the network. And Caesar even said he goes, you know, I hope that everybody can just come. You know, the whole community can come together for and and support all of these projects. And that's really what BJJ for Change is all about. Is we're that hub that brings together all these social organizations, brings awareness, helps generate the funds for um, these organizations so that they can continue to to do what we need them to do, which is develop the future, um, which is kids through Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And uh, I don't know if you guys are aware or not, but the Sheikh in Abu Dhabi, all the kids in those school systems have to practice Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Like, it's huge out there. Did you oh, guys yeah, that? for real. I was uh, doing commentary for the Abu Dhabi Grand Slam, and... Okay. When they roll deep, they roll deep. Like I'm talking, they brought so many people that you're looking at colleges near where it was taking place. I believe it was Azusa Pacific. And uh-huh. you're looking at some colleges like 10 miles away or, you know, competitors from academies 15 miles away didn't even bring the amount of people that they were bringing from Abu Dhabi. So. That just goes to show you the culture of not just go compete and travel, but how seriously they take it and how much they love the sport. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's really impressive. Um, with all the mass shootings now, I don't know if you guys are aware, you might, might not be, but now, do you, did you guys uh, ever do those tornado drills in school where like the bell would ring and then you like go around and you hide underneath the, the desk or something like that? I'm from Kansas. We did tornado drills and the real thing many times. <laughs> oh, jeez. So you know the drill, and now I don't think they do that anymore. But now maybe in Kansas they do, but in Milwaukee I don't, I don't, I don't know if they're doing that. But uh, now they're doing active shooter drills. Yeah. So it's crazy. I don't know. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And um, the interesting thing about that is, you know, I, I think what they're doing out in Abu Dhabi makes sense because what they're doing is they're tr- what I call training the masses. And um, if we were doing jiu-jitsu in the school districts, number one, it would probably help with the obesity uh, epidemic because, you know, you're teaching, you know, not only flexibility and, and active just movement, but also the food and the nutrition that comes with it and educate these kids on. The, everybody calls it the BJJ lifestyle and everybody's thriving to get to that. You know, if you go to BJJ for change, Dot com, you'll see a picture of Rodolfo with his gi off and his shredded six pack. And, you know, that's the jiu-jitsu lifestyle that, you know, a lot of people have this mentality. And guess what? You, you can't accomplish it through healthy eating, proper, you know, diet, nutrition, stretching, training, um, discipline, um, mental discipline, physical discipline. So all that. Um, and those are, great examples and blueprints that you can lay out to a younger generation. It's, it's going to help, it's going to help them. So, um, and then, you know, if, if you train the masses when there is active, I guess you could call it internal terrorism, you know, you have basically two options I'm hearing. You can arm the teachers, which I can tell you is you can't add another stress and responsibility to what they're already dealing with by telling them that they have to hold guns I was you know, going to say, as yeah. former, as a teacher at the community college level, it's like let me just discourage that as a solution yeah. to anything. Well, it's a horrible solution, but that's what people are throwing out, and I think that's wrong. 
my mom's a 63 year old teacher. There's no way she just, she's never touched a piece in her life. Like that's not going to happen. And she'd had, she'd probably have a heart attack if she had so the we could one. teach her in Uchigari. Like, that would be <laughs> effective. Uh, but, but I mean, that's the thing. It's like somebody comes into a classroom, you've got, you know, 25 students that all knew no Brazilian Jiu Jitsu because they're trained on, you know, self-defense or some type of, of this, you know, com, you know, combat sport, self-defense, whatever you want to call it. I just call it BJJ. Um, but you know, if that was in our, I, like, I totally see that as a solution because it's a solution to after school programs, uh, people who have uh, kids that are unhealthy, that are overweight. The, yeah. the great thing about BJJ is it's a solution way before we get any further, which is you know what BJJ the program BJJ for Change. You know when you get kids yeah, invested and you get people in, attending that program, you don't have uh, other issues because you know BJJ yeah. people get addicted to so, that and it's a healthy substitute. That's exactly it. And so, so BJJ for change, if, if you ask me where I see it 10 years from now, um, it is helping these social organizations, um, helping people uh, get into school districts, um, after school programs. Robert Brisdale, who's he's really excited about this project. He was actually one of the first guys that we reach out to. And like he was really like whatever I can do to help. I, I've been wanting to do this for, for years. Um, he's done something like this when he was in Brazil, when he was, uh, over working with Tele Day. and that projects, you know, he's, he's seen these and he's seen the success. So he wants to continue to pump these things and he wants to see these not only globally, but he wants to see more of them here in the United States. So 10 years from now, um, we, I, you know, my vision is after school programs and, um, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu in some form throughout the school districts, um, across America. And that's going to create jobs and opportunities and BJJ for change is going to help, um, with the recruiting and, uh, like, so for example, Abraham, he's already doing it. Um, what he's done is he's grooming uh, these young guys and gals who are, you know, jiu-jitsu coaches and turning them into coaches. They're kids, and they, they come up through a system. And then he's, stat- he, he's basically working as a Brazilian jiu-jitsu staffing agency, and he's putting them into schools throughout America. That's creating jobs for those kids, and it's giving us, America, you know, you can you can go into a school and you can staff a black belt, um, and you know that's a, a win-win, and that's going to create jobs and opportunities. So, it's already happening right now. Um, BJJ for Change is that organization that what we're doing is bringing awareness to these groups like Abraham's, um, and also uh, building the bridge for the future so that we can keep the sustainable. And ongoing because we believe that um, from a from a movement and a social project, it's going to make a lot of impact. So um, originally, we were supposed to go to Brazil with with um, the crew, and like I said, the podcast came on. You know, I'm active in the media now, especially um, listening to all the podcasts, getting to know more more about the people and the organizations in this community. And I heard their podcast right away, and. One of the things, uh, they were having a camp, we were having a camp, same time, same uh, same focus, and we said, hey, 
you know, let's step out and say, you know, we were going to originally just shoot this documentary in Brazil and focus on the camps and, and the social projects in Brazil. But let's be realistic. This is a global epidemic. It's a global issue. Let's, let's focus it on from a global standpoint. And let's start instead of we, – so we were able to talk to the coaches who were already involved, postpone this Brazilian trip instead of doing one trip and trying to shoot this documentary over a 10-day period – we decided it's going to make a lot more sense and it's going to be more cost effective um, if we do these small mini camps throughout the year. And like Robert Drysdale said, he, he said, Chris, he goes, he, when I was talking to him, I called each one of the coaches to let him know that, you know, we were, we were making some adjustments to the itinerary and they were all super flexible and they were totally cool with it. And, and when I was talking to Drysdale, he's like, man, he's like, this documentary is so important to the awareness and to the sport as a whole. He goes, take your time and just do it right. And we completely agree with him. And we said, you know what? Let's break these off into small, intimate camps. Let's focus more globally instead of just in Brazil. And that's going to give us a better document, uh, document uh, documentary. And it's going to give each of the campers a more intimate experience. Um, and it's going to create more awareness globally um, versus just in America or just in Brazil. So that's where BJJ came into play. Um, it started with uh, my idea and the vision of building this organization. And then the documentary to go with it is uh, my college roommate is a two-time Emmy award-winning film producer for NeverEnding Light productions and uh, they have a uh, right now if you wanted to check out a sample of their work you could go to Netflix and there's a documentary they have up there called Sirius S-I-R-I-U-S it's a very interesting piece um, and uh, it's it was like I want to say it was like top on Netflix at it's like over the last couple months and not only that um, he um, my associate Amar um he raised over 1.5 million in crowdfunding to get that film made. So, um, putting our energies together, he moved back to Milwaukee from California just recently after his father was shot in a, a temple shooting in Oak Creek, Wisconsin, a few years back. So, kind of ripped apart his family and brought him back here to the Midwest. And once he was back here. Uh, our energies and the synergistic relationship just led us to this BJJ for Change project, which we've been completely engulfed in for the last four months. And, you know, you say, you know, how, these coaches, you know, how do you get this all-star team together? And it's, it's really, it's, it's simple. They all know how important it is. They all know jiu-jitsu changed lives. They've seen it. They've already, they've already experienced these social projects and they see a need for it. So, for us, it just makes sense to just go get this thing going and, and, and push forward hard in 2016. We're going to be hosting a number of these mini travel camps, and each camp will be uh, also followed. Each camp will be followed um, to make this documentary. And right now, it's Dominican Republic, Brazil. Um, there's been talk right now of uh, Palestine. There's been talk of going to Abu Dhabi. 
Um, there's, uh, we've talked about Ireland, Russia, and uh, South Africa. So there's a number of, of stops. Um, this first one is going to be the kickoff. Um, and it's like, like you said, Cyborg, Abraham, and uh, Rodolfo is a pretty sweet group to get started. And we're I've really excited. I've heard of a few of them. I, yeah, obviously, exactly. I can only and that's interesting. That also explains, you know, that we were gonna, we were curious how you you bring in and incorporate the documentary side. Um, yep. And it sounds like you you have someone that you know that does this, and that's the part to me that is riveting on the yeah. excitement scale because I'm already obsessed with pretty much any media that gets produced visually. Yeah, um, but give people a little idea how they can get involved. Um, I know that the that's the nice thing about these proceeds. They all go to help and people can get engaged. So go ahead and give them uh, the, the info on how they get engaged. Well, go to BJJ for change.org or .com. Both sites take you there. Um, and there's, there's a couple different ways. You know, the, the most effective way is the, so the people so far who have already purchased the tickets and reached out to us, are the people, it's, it's all the same email from everybody. It's like BJJ has changed my life. This is amazing. Um, how do I get, you know, how do I get my ticket? So, you know, right now, if you love to train jujitsu, um, and you haven't taken a, a vacation in a while, now's the opportunity to come down to Dominican Republic. Um, it's, it's the proceeds are going to go to Caleb's group fighting for a dream. And just to give you an idea of what we're going to be doing and what the uh, itinerary looks like, it's four days. Uh, you know, it's Cyborg, Marte, and Rodolfo. And they're going to be there from morning to night. We're going to be doing uh, seminars and private rolling, um, private training, filming. Um, so, f- for example, I, I, I use this. Um, so I have a gym in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and we need to shoot a couple videos for like, if you have a mailing list, you might send out like your move of the week. So for example, I want to send out six moves of the week on, you know, general Americana or, you know, some type of, some type of jujitsu move. Well, you got to have somebody to film it with. So Abraham's already told me that he's going to give me the opportunity to, you know, spend a whole day with him and film as many moves as I want for my, you know, personal gym website. So that's awesome. Um, each person's going to get sizzle reels and each camper's going to have a little interview in the documentary about, you know, who they are, why, why they're involved in the project. And then they're going to be able to take those videos and upload them into their social media feeds or on their personal website or their brand, whoever, whatever it is. Um, but just right now, if you love to do jujitsu, come to the Dominican Republic, the mats are going to be outdoors where they usually do yoga, um, it's going to be all matted out. So we're going to be rolling outside in a five-star resort. Um, all you, yeah, all you can eat, all you can drink, all you can train, Dominican Republic. And I'm in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, so I'm freezing my ass off. <laughs> and just counting down the days till I step foot and uh, training with these guys. Like, I can't, I can't even – like, if you haven't seen – Abraham, like everybody, you know, everybody knows Cyborg, right? And, uh, but, you know, Abraham's kind of one of those dudes where he's like an up and comer. 
And, uh, like if, if you watch this guy roll, like he's a hot, like I, I'm really excited to learn from him. Um, and really impressed with, you know, his attitude, his mindset, the way he plays his game. Cause there's not a lot of big players, you know, and like big dudes like that, that play that like really traditional open guard, um, you know, sport, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I really, well, I as think Kevin learned earlier, it's, uh, not half guard, not half what guard, deep half. It's not, he will not, not deep play half. deep half. See, yeah. Kevin, uh, very quickly made a mention. He was like, I, you know, I really appreciate your deep half game. And, uh, Abraham was kind of like, that's cool. Not me though. Yeah. He doesn't play. I, I love, so wait, Abraham saying he doesn't play deep half. Well, not when you're going against Galvo. So. Yeah, his exact words not. were pretty sure. He said his exact words that ref were pretty sure I've never done it before ever. It's like, <laughs> what? And I, I wanted you to say a I threatened face, to make a video compilation. But I, you can do whatever you want, Kev. I would just assume <laughs> that the person who <laughs> has some familiarity with his own game, has seen some tape of himself, might <laughs> have a better idea of what they do. Yeah, no, he's he's pretty he's like a he's like an open guard player, but I guess he's got some really sick passes that you know they promised they're going to show me once I get out there. So I'm, I'm super stoked for that. And then you know, cyborg, I've always been trying to figure out that whole tornado thing. I play with it because I'm I'm kind of I consider myself a half guard player, and I like right now I'm I'm doing a lot of the I'm I'm messing around with a lot of the deep half guard. I I just bought that that Glover one that was like eight bucks on I forget what it was called. But it's yeah. a really good DVD. Um, but I've been playing around with the deep half. But uh, yeah, it's it's exciting. Um, it's exciting where where this thing is going. And and cyborg, you know, like I said, I, I've been trying to figure out this whole tornado tornado guard. So just to have these guys here and to have them at their, you know, all the campers are going to have these guys full attention. It's you know, it's it's going to be a lot of training. And a lot of one-on-one hanging out, getting the mindset. Um, it's not just going to be like a traditional jiu-jitsu seminar where, you know, you show up, you never roll with the guy. Um, the guy leaves after the group picture and everybody goes home and doesn't train. It's going to be like, no, no, no. These are jiu-jitsu junkies. We're here. For, these guys are going to give us everything they have. Um, and then we're rolling. We're going to have a good time. We're going to, you know... All you can eat, like I said, it's going to be interesting. All you can eat, all you can drink, with a bunch of uh, jujitsu guys doing a documentary. So, um, it, it, it with mats outside, and we have an 800 square foot uh, or 8,000 square foot uh, auditorium where we could even lay mats inside. So, I mean, it's opportunities are endless for jujitsu junkies. Like, if you guys just want to train all day long, go for it. Like, if you want to leave your wives at home. And train and train jujitsu with your buddies. All day, this is your opportunity. Um, if you want to bring your wives, hey, we can we can accommodate that. If you want to, it's bring a much better sell. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, I don't know how many. Uh, I said to my I'm girlfriend, I was like, I'm going to Punta Cana. She was like, So am I. I like, okay. Yeah, she is. I don't <laughs> know how many people when you do the promotional material that's like, leave your wives, especially when you, know, you are gone as much as you would be for jujitsu. Like I don't. I just you know I'm. I'm a guy who's dabbled in copywriting. Huh? Just uh, leave your wives. Uh, maybe not that one. That's a good first draft. Yeah. Uh, the second draft might be like, 
Leave your wives in the comfort of a five-star hotel while you exactly all day. It's fast. Listen, it's, val- it's 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 like Valentine's week, so this is like a huge opportunity. That's how I'm trying to sell it to all my married buddies. I'm like, I'm like, guys, I'm like, you need to come to this. First of all, it's a cost-effective ticket. So the VIP, all you can eat, all you can drink, all you can train, it's twelve hundred dollars. So it's 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 very affordable. And then if you bring your significant other. Um, you know, they can sit by the, there's like five pools, five restaurants, you know, sit by the pool. There's a million things you can do on the resort. So, I mean, it really is a win-win if, you know, I've got a guy already signed up, uh, bringing his wife and his kid, um, his kid trains and that's no problem. Um, the, the child can definitely come to the seminars and train with dad. This is a family experience. This is, you know, we're, we're doing something good for jujitsu. And everybody who's involved in jiu-jitsu should be coming to this. And if you, like I said, like Abraham said, the cool part is the documentary is that you're going to be featured in this documentary and you're going to be able to use this. If you want to continue to work with BJJ for change after this trip, we're going to help you screen this documentary in your own cities. Um, So um, you can continue to create your own fundraiser and your own social organizations you know, let's say you go down to Dominican Republic and, and, you know, you meet some kids and they do change your life. Because I didn't mention this, but part of, not only did uh, Never Ending Light do, you know, great. Yeah, they got some stuff on Netflix um, that have done well. But what really brought me to working with Amar was they did a documentary called Mikasa Suhugar, where a group of, this was doctors, physicians, lawyers, they all got together and they bought trip uh, tickets uh to Acapulco and there was an orphanage there and they spent time um, giving their time and energies to helping these kids in this orphanage at the end of the whole travel uh, arrangement. uh, It was a documentary shot. Um, They raised over, I think $150,000 just from that one week trip, $150,000 went to that orphanage just for that one week trip. And then a documentary was made about it so that all those people, all those travelers had a documentary of that, that trip so they could tell the story and, and remember it. And at the end of the documentary, what was so touching about it is these travelers went to this orphanage to help change these kids' lives, but it was actually the orphans that changed their lives because of the experience. So I, can only imagine the the plots that are going to be created for this documentary with jiu-jitsu because everybody who's coming on these trips, like I said, it's jiu-jitsu changed my life, jiu-jitsu changed my life, and now they're going to be going in and seeing things that they've probably never seen before. I mean, you heard Eddie Cruz talking about kids getting murdered in Honduras and whatnot. It's like, it's this is real, you know, and... Yeah, this yes. is where jujitsu can help with life, which is yeah, uh, what makes it so cool. And yeah. Chris, we can't tell you how impressed we are. It's BJJForChange.org. Yes. Chris Martin, it's been a blast to talk to you. It's been a blast to talk to Abraham. Awesome. This is so cool. We'll keep reminding people. I'll keep an eye on it and keep figuring out if the bank will support another loan just for my yeah. temporary living to make it out there. Absolutely. Chris, thank you so much for swinging by the podcast this evening. Yeah, you too, guys. Keep up the good work. And, and uh, you know, like I 
if the listeners as well, just go to BJJ for change and uh, just enter in your email to keep up to dates with future projects. Because like I said, this is the first seminar, but other ones are going to be popping up throughout 16 and 17. So um, give us your email so that we can, you know, stay up to date and, and give you a list of all. Uh, we might have something coming to you. So uh, I want to roll with everybody. So let's make it happen in, in 2016 and 17 and happy new year. And I appreciate the opportunity and uh, thanks guys. Raph Esparza, what a podcast. I want to go do jujitsu with the world's greatest on a, on a resort. Can, you think Shit. I can get work to pay for that? Um, Just like the trip down there. Even. Um, <laughs> probably not. Probably That's not. a great idea, though. I like the merger. And frankly, it's you get the chance to go do jujitsu with them. You get the chance. It's once in a lifetime. Absolutely. That's an important, important time. Teach. And they always, and that's all they do, especially, yeah. And if only you could do that, but. <laughs> I was like, God damn it. They're so good at jujitsu. It's fantastic. Raph, this has been a blast. Yes. Love the rundown. It's been a crazy week already. 2016's off and flying. Nothing yep. but good stuff happening, but it is now time for some shout outs. We got to start with a special happy birthday to friend of the podcast, Travis T. Money Conley. Mm. Big shouts to the outsies. Plus, I'm going to get to start training jiu-jitsu again. He hooked me up with Ethan Day. Ethan Day is out here. He trains. He's one of the instructors over at Easton Jiu-Jitsu. So going to be great. Because, Raf, are you sitting down? Yes. I can train in two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks I'm cleared to resume combat activity. Compact activity. Is that the That's official culture's written no, note? No, no, no. They didn't say that at all. They were just like, yeah, you can start doing that thing again. She was like, forgive me, jujitsu? I was like, yes. Um, Forgive you for what? She's <laughs> like, no, it's going to be another two weeks. I was like, okay. And that was it. And I'm looking forward to it. Going to check out some. I'm going to do this right. You know, I'm. it's the first time I've been jujitsu single, Raph. So it's a tough there's, time, man. There's you a know, lot to consider. You got to be careful on what you can catch. Exactly. Uh, you know, you got to make sure you find the right people mm-hmm. you can trust. Uh, good communication. You know, mm-hmm. and you want it to be both ways. You just, I'm not a one-sided type of. Never happened. Looking forward to it, and that's going to do it for me. Well, I just want to say, uh, let's hit off a first acknowledgement to our good friends at Valley Martial Arts Center. Great training going over that way. Uh, great to talk with the guys, train with them. Uh, in particular, this week, Blake was great to train with. And uh, we're going over a whole bunch of new stuff. Uh, I think this next month's focus, not this month, but uh, February, is going to be a little bit wrestling-based. So I'm excited to get to work on some of that with Blake. He's a good training partner. And uh, the like, the thing I like about him is he's, he, he's very durable and wants to continue training all the time. And... Uh, that's one of the easiest people to work with whenever you got that going on. So my thanks to him. Uh, let's also go ahead and shout out Breakdown Academy. BJJ Breakdown. Our good friend John Evans, always teaching great classes. We had some great laughs this week. Uh, <laughs> obviously, uh, John is silly and uh, there's 
talk of something happening with John. I can't really, really say what's happening yet, but uh, stay tuned for it because it might be interesting. I think you might find out uh, maybe sooner than later, but the second we can tell you guys, we will definitely tell you what's going on there. Uh, so we also want to send a shout out to our good friends over at King's MMA. I got to go train over there this week as well. And uh, they have a fantastic open mat. Got to see our good friend Joey House. Got a couple rolls in with him. Our good friend Alex Perez, who runs that over there, is one of the best people. And let me tell you something, Kev. His, you know, the people who work with him and train with him there, they're like, oh, hey, you have a podcast? And I was like, yeah. And I'm like, okay. And we talk a little bit about it. And I see, you know, over there, Alex is talking shit to me while one of his students is trying to choke him out. So there's a blue belt who's like trying to cho- uh, choke him out and he's just like, Raph, I see you're not being funny. Jeez, I thought you were funny. It wasn't the whole point of you having a podcast. Everybody, oh, and I look at him and I was like, hey, what's that, Alex? I thought you were a purple belt. I thought you could get out of that position. At which point I took a lap around and then I ran away from him. I was going to say, how does that go? You got to stay at arm's bay because he is uh, he's good. He's tough. I mean, he was definitely trying to knee bar me. <laughs> That's for funny. A portion of the time we were rolling. I also so. like the image of him like try, like his student being like, I think I've got this and him just holding a conversation. Uh, Yeah. I mean, but the student kind of knew what was going on and the student was actually really excited about it because what he would do, like was insulting me. I looked at the student and I just go, you choke him out now. <laughs> No. Don't you dare let him insult my integrity. So anyway, uh, that was some good good stuff. And uh, I guess I just want to do a quick shout out real quick uh, to the legendary David Bowie. I know this is a weird part to put this in in the podcast, but uh, I just thought he was a really cool actor. Really, really nice uh, humanitarian, all that other gold bullshit, whatever you want to say. But uh, a very fascinating part of our family. He was always somebody that my sister and I got really excited to go watch and see. And uh, one quick little story is that she actually, when I started going to uh, Illinois, one thing that we always would do here in California is we'd always go see concerts. But my family was like, that doesn't make any sense. We're not going to pay for you to come back and see a concert. So my sister would fly me back in secret to come see David Bowie. (laughs) And it was just an excuse for us to hang out and uh, laugh and uh, I fortunately had the good benefit of seeing him two times in concert and he was awesome. So on behalf of my sister and myself, we just want to say thank you to him for the great memories, great music and great films. Go watch the movie The Prestige if you ever forget how good of an actor David Bowie was. But that'll do it for me, you guys. Damn, that man could wear some pants. Absolutely. That's going to do it for us tonight here at Verbal Tap. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening. Good night and good fight. Good night.